Welcome to this special edition of Burnline Podcast. I am your host, John Thacker Jr. I am joined by co-host Nicholas McCann and our special guest today, Francisco Almonte of Dominican Big Leaguer Cigars. This is Francisco Almonte. For me, I got the opportunity to listen Burnline Postcard with John. Burnline Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. On this special edition of Burnline Podcast, we are pleased to host Francisco Almonte of Dominican Big Leaguer Cigars. Francisco, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John, for inviting me to your podcast. For me, it's a really pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, Thanks, Nick. Uh, for all the support that you have been doing uh, for our cigars in Hanover, uh, Pennsylvania. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit of, of who, who I am, where I come from, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm from Dominican Republic, which is a 11 million population, small country, and part of our passion is cigars baseball, beautiful weather, the food, the music. And I'm coming from a small town in the north of our island, which is about 100,000 people. Imagine over 175 cigar factory in that small town. It is absolutely amazing. it is tough to have a business to serve cigar there because most of the people that work in the cigar industry, they get at least two cigars every day, no charge. <laughs> this is part of our culture. This is part of what we have done in the whole life. So imagine that you born in, in, in a place that, that most of the income is cigars. So since I got seven years, my dad in the 80s opened El Rey, which means the king. El Rey is the, that was the, my dad brand. And it was a short cigars that we call Little Dog. And we used to sell in supermarket, mini market, exclusively in the countryside, where cigar smoker begins uh, the passion for cigars back in the days. We're talking about Hundreds of years that in the countryside people used to smoke. So all my grandfathers, they were related to the cigar business. Um, my my grandparents uh, smoked cigar and pie. My grandmothers, uh, they smoke uh, the little doggy. And my whole life had been in, in this business. Uh, so my dad, in, when I got uh, seven years, in the living room, he got four rollers. <laughs> he, you know, him, including him. So there was uh, three more and him that we made, uh, that we call uh, like a cheroot, uh, a cigar that doesn't have any cap. Um, he used to make the little dog, which is uh, like a Corona size, uh, petite Corona size, but without using mold. It was everything made by hand. We don't use more at that time. We don't pre- press the cigar. It was an, a natural way um, that we used to make three, four hundred cigars um, every day. 
per person. Regularly, regularly uh, a Vitola is about 400, but you need to work with a buncher. The person that work with the filler and the binder, and then next day after you press the cigar, then you put the wrapper. So between uh, uh, the, the bunchers and the rollers is about 400. Uh, but at that time, making the little dog, it was 400 per person because, you know, it was more easy to make and you don't have to wait a long time, you know, with a cigar in the morning, you don't need more. So that's how the story began. I got in love with cigars. My whole family uh, was related to the cigar business. Imagine 68 people. Uh, the problem is that my grandfather, you know, he got... 3090s. So uh, more of the bigger uh, last name is Santana, the uh, Santana in my town, and the Santana is the bigger uh, family in the cigar industry. So I got Almonte because of my grandmother, and it's an honor to have that. Uh, and you know, my whole family got three three brands, they have really three brands, one called the winner, the other are Monte cigars, but that all was local cigars. And the king that we used to call El Rey, which means in Spanish, the king. Uh, but all of the, all three uh, um, business that we have in the family, it was locally and, and our co company, was the first one to do business internationally. Now there is uh, the winner, which is the triumphador. They're, they're trying to do some international business now. So 1997, uh, after 15 years later, uh, I got my brothers that was working in Fuente family. And I had some cousins and niece working in the facility, number one, number three. My sister-in-law was working in the facility number four. So Fuente at that time, 1997, Cigar Boom, uh, has around 3,000 employees with a production of 18 million cigars. So I was working with one Sosa, which was, he was a Cuban, he is a Cuban guy. He's still working as a general manager in the facility number one. Now. But at that time he was in the facility number four. So I learned everything. It was like a new world. You know, I used to, to roll cigars. Uh, I, I, I used to, to make a Cherut cigar, but not Bitola. So that house, I began learning how to make all the Bitolas, Robusto, Petit, Lancero, Gorda. Not many Gorda, because at that time, it was very, very rare that you can smoke a Gorda in the night. Most of the Vitola was Robusto, Petit, Lancero, Corona, Lonsdale, um, Toro. It was the bigger Torpedo, but not, not many Gorda. Gorda, I saw the first Gorda in 2000, at uh, the end of Fuente. But I learned how to order the process, how to make cigars, how to make the bunching, how to work in the sorting area, fermentation, uh, fillers, uh, wrapper, binders. I learned everything, packaging. And so then I became a supervisor, control quality supervisor. And I spent a couple of years there in that department. 
because they were training me in different departments because they want to give me uh, to give me the opportunity to run one of the facilities. They was trying to open more facility, uh, but I got a call. I, I was finishing college. I was studying industrial engineering, and I got a call from LFD, Little Gone. So I said, oh, well, I got that opportunity. Uh, I had to take it. So I took the, the opportunity, and I began in 2000, May 8th, I began working for uh, La Flor Dominicana. And it was a challenge for me to give me the responsibility to run the factory. And Lito, uh, as everybody know, he, he was new in the cigar business too. And what most of the people don't know is that before LFD, he got Los Libertadores. He got Los Libertadores, that, that how was he starting the business with a couple more partners, but he wasn't 100% uh, um, uh, uh, assured to continue doing the business because he wants premium high-end cigars and they want big production for online uh, business. So he decided to create 1996 LFD. So four years later, I, be, I became the, the production and general manager. And when he showed me all the tobacco that he got, uh, honestly, I know what, what, what was happening in front of me. And I said to him, hey, listen, we, we need to, to put some, uh, uh, get some tobacco from Nicaragua. We need to get some tobacco from Ecuador. Uh, we need to get some Maduro wrapper from uh, Connecticut because this is what the people was looking for. At that time, uh, San Andres Mexican wrapper was, uh, it wasn't known as a good tobacco. And, and then we're gonna talk about that, what happened in Mexico and then what, what, what happened in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That at that time, they wasn't focused on premium tobacco, you know? And then, 2000, I released, uh, 2001, we released our first, uh, the first blend that we made, uh, the Ligero line. Maybe you have heard about the Ligero 300, 400, 500. And uh, when we begin working with Ecuadorian tobacco, and we were using uh, tobacco from our tobacco field, plus uh, we were using uh, Nicaragua tobacco. So LFD begin, you know, getting uh, known in the market for the quality, the presentation, the aroma, the 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 blend, the, the 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 taste, and everything. People love that cigars. So we we release every year two three blend. Then we release the Double Ghetto lines with the six hundred seven hundred uh, LFD and Little Gomez. We were the first that we create the chisel that shape that, that is, you know, very, very beautiful cigars. It's, it's a figurado cigar, but it was in the market. So the company created that along with Little Gomez and the staff. So one day Little came to me, he gave me a cigar that he cut it with his knife on the way home. And he told me, can you make that? I said, just give me time and we're gonna make it happen. We tried different experiments, it doesn't work. But after six, seven months, finally we got it. Uh, we got what, what, what the market and Lito was looking for and the shape that he wanted. And it was tough 
to make a bunch at the beginning, uh, to work with the filler in the bag was a little tough and then finish the cigar because it was something new, right? But it was a boom, you know, people love it. Uh, and people like the cake, you know, a lot of, a lot of feedback. Some people don't like the chain because, you know, there is a bunch of people in the market that they don't like figurados. But it was something new, you know, and, and that's how LFD began getting more popular. And then we released the Coronado line. Uh, it got the best cigar of the year. Um, we released uh, uh, the Little Gomez that was our Dominican Puro. For the first time, we began using a Dominican wrapper. And, you know, everybody was growing with us, you know. And, and let me tell you something that I haven't told to nobody. I was doing a master's degree at that time. And at, in the same time, I used to go on Saturday with all the supervisors, 16 people. And I used to take class along with them. Nice. Yeah, we did that. We did that. And... And we used to go Saturday after we finished working at 12 o'clock. We used to go for six, seven, eight hours. You know, just to, I want that they get educated in that way. Because I know you as a production manager, you are like a sandwich. You are like the cheese or the jam. Okay. And the, 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 the piece of the, of the bread of the top is the boss. And the bottom piece of the bread is the employees. And I know the only way to get great resource is because employees, which for me is my philosophy is that the more important is not the customer, it's employees. If you are the employees happy, you're going to make a good product and you're going to keep your customer happy. That was my vision. That was my philosophy. And that's how we get resource. We got a beautiful team that we make a lot of things. Then uh, the Maduro wrapper, we used to, to uh, all cigar industry used to cook it because it was a thick wrapper, like a broadly wrapper, Pennsylvania. And Lilo create a, a way that to, you know, like do some friction to the tobacco with humidity and that way change the color naturally. So we call Little Cor uh, Cigar Aficionado, David Savona, to show the, the new way to, to work with Maduro wrapper. And it was outstanding. And we released the Ligero Scuro Cabinet, uh, 300, 400, 400. Then we released uh, uh, the, the Limitado 1, 2, 3, a small batch 1, 2, 3. Factory Press, that was a big, huge box. Factory Press 1, 2, 3. Uh, it was amazing, you know, and I, I I can say that he's my dad in the cigar industry. After my dad, he's my second dad, because that he was the guy that gave me the opportunity, you know, and we grow together. Um, when I started, we were making 900,000 cigars. Imagine 2008 that I decided to go, we were making 3 million cigars. So, you know, we don't have to talk a lot. It's just about resource, right? Um, and everybody knows LFD today. Um, and I, I can tell you, Lito is, is a guy that he used to work 18, 20 hours, you know? 
He was a humble guy that worked a lot, that learned a lot. We used to travel different countries to learn, to get the feedback, to see how the people grow the tobacco, to learn, you know, all the processes in the cigar industry. And I got the opportunity, me as a manager, and he as the owner, to learn about the whole industry. And we got a lot of great resource, you know, a lot of the reputation. And I can tell you, I got, I got two leaders in this business, along with my dad, but wor working with Carlos Senior, one Sosa, in the Fuente side, and working with Leto Gomez, imagine the experience that you can get. And I learned, I didn't know how to grow tobacco until I got to LSD. A little bit, the basic, but not a lot. Then, I used to get together with Cuban guys that came to the factory, and I began learning about all the process uh, in the greenhouse, uh, the, the percent of potassium that you need, the percent of nitrogen, what you need to use, how many days you stay in the, in the greenhouse, then when you need to replant uh, the tobacco, the different camps of the seed that the tobacco can have when it rains, when it doesn't rain, then the tobacco burns, you know, how to dry out the tobacco, how to control the percentage of humidity and temperature. I learned all of that, you know. So, thanks God, that was the little piece that I need to complete the whole process. And I learned it, you know, and I'm very satisfied uh, and traveling everywhere to learn the different way to grow tobacco. For example, I was in... In, in Mexico last year, September, in San Andres Tuzla. And it's just unbelievable how beautiful is the tobacco, strong ground. They don't use shade ground. And it's it's unbelievable. I, I stopped in, in the side street on the way to San Andres and I ordered a coconut. Just to give you an idea, John, the coconut, I fill it up two bottles of water it's just unbelievable. Everything grows wheat in that area in San Andres. Why? Because it's the San Martin uh, volcano uh, that erupted in the 18th century. And everything is black. Everything that you grow is big. And you can see the people selling different kinds of fruit and see uh, seafood like a tree, lost but big. No kidding. And I got impressed. So, you know, everywhere you go, when I went to, to Honduras, Dangli, a different way to grow the tobacco, a different way to do the sorting of the tobacco. Everywhere you go, you learn a little bit. Okay. When I went to Cuba, I learned, you know, different way to, to get the texture and the color. It depends on what you're looking for. For example, if you're looking for filler, you need to cut the flowers of the plants after after 18 leaves. And then it gets more body. If you're looking for big leaves, you let the flowers go. Or you cover the tobacco to reduce the sunlight. It's a different way that, that you can get the binders and the fillers and the wrapper. But the more important is the wrapper because it's the last leaf that you put in the cigar. And it's the leaf that you get most of the flavor, but it's the more delicate leaf 
because it needs to have a nice presentation, good flavor, nice texture, and it needs to have some flexibility. So you have to be very careful with that. You know, it's, it's, if you if you ask me, Francisco, what do you decide? You, the whole life you have been in production, or about the last 23 years that you have been growing tobacco, or the market, for sure, without thinking twice, I choose the tobacco field. I love that process. I love it. It is just amazing. So I enjoy every step. Imagine we you go to the fermentation, that you work with WTT, water, temperature, that you need to rotate the tobacco every time it gets heat, and you begin feeling the aroma of the tobacco. That green tobacco that is used to smell like grass, after a few months now, it smells like nice aroma. Now you need to be strong because the ammonia is powerful too. So that process, that fermentation process is just unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's something, I don't know if you have been in a cigar factory, but as soon as you go, you're going to have a different vision of this beautiful business. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I know uh, it's a beautiful story to me and the way that uh, it works out sometimes when you work with other folks that are passionate and, you know, kind of grow success together. I've, I've had that experience in my life as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, just a blessing, you know. So thank you for uh, sharing that with us. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, cigars. So I see that you have got your cigar today. So for our listeners out there, what are you enjoying today? Well, I'm smoking the, the final. It is a, a cigar that we released last year. And this is a Maduro wrapper that he has on the tip dark chocolate from Dominican Republic. So when you smoke this, as, as every cigar, the worst part of the cigar is the first inch. That's the worst part. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's the worst part. Then after one inch, the cigar be, begin getting better. So I put a little sweet tea there for the people that they don't love the beginning of the cigars to enjoy some sweetness of dark chocolate. And then after one inch, the cigar become as a regular cigar without any problem. So you enjoy now the sweetness part of the tobacco. As you know, all tobacco has some sweetness. And as more time you spend on fermentation, more sweet is the tobacco, all right? It's more sweet. So I'm smoking the finals, and I would like to talk a little bit about our company now. Uh, we, be, you know, after we, I got to the higher level in LFD in 2008, I decided to move on because my family lived in Bronx, New York, and I want to stay with my family, with my two daughters. I want to stay, you know, take time, and at the same time, begin working with my own projects. So I start, uh, started working with, with my new project. I was trying to save some money. And then in 2013, I released Dominican Big League. Why that? Because it doesn't no matter where you are, 
if you talk about cigars and baseball, this is our two bigger things that we have in our country. I'm not relating the brand with, with baseball. I'm just saying the people that the two bigger things in our country is baseball and cigar. And as you know, many people know our country because we got a population of 11 million uh, Dominicans. Just in New York, we have like 2 million. And we got our main income is tourism. We got last year almost 7 million tourists. And this year, we're going to hit a record getting over 8 million people visiting our country. And it's not too far away from the United States. For example, from Pennsylvania, it's like three hours and 30 minutes by plane. So it's not a big deal. It's across us. And we don't have any winter time. I used to bring every year a bunch of people on March. So while here is probably snowing in Dominican in 72 degrees, what better than that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got me sold. You have to go with me. So we started the company, Dominican Big League. No roller, no cigar roller that belong to us. I got friends and my brothers that used to go to the factory to make some sample cigars. I only had around four, 600 pounds of filler, a couple of different tobacco, Havana and Connecticut, and then Maduro. That's it, no more than that. And that's how I started in 2013. I rent a location and I start the business that way. I went in 2013 uh, to the trade show, RPCPR at that time in Vegas, Nevada. I don't have any booth. I just have sample with me. I just walk around and I have a lot of people that know me. I give the sample, they try, they like, and I take orders. That's how I started. I started with the Habano and the Maduro cigars and people like it. But John, it is difficult to keep consistency when you don't have a lot of tobacco. Honestly, it was tough. But now it's totally different. Now I have to make 2.5 million cigars, tobacco <laughs> inventory ready to go. It's different. You know, it was tough, but I worked hard. I worked 20 hours every day, calling people, visiting people, doing events, doing rolling events, doing seminars. People liked me, and we got great time. Uh, and I started in my town. Um, I remember Jack Sandling, who was the general source manual of the, he said to me, Francisco, if you want to start in good, in good market, you should go Texas, Pennsylvania, in Florida, I said, I'm close to, I'm, I'm close to, to Pennsylvania, but I can do Texas for now because I don't have enough resource. We said, work, good luck. And believe it or not, my main market is New Jersey, where I live. <laughs> you know, and I'm making, I'm making 800 million cigars this year. 800, pardon, 800. Sorry, 800,000 cigars this year. And we made 700,000 cigars last year. 
imagine I don't do any advertising in magazine. I just do social media. And it's an organic company that grow steadily. And we got our first 10 years making 800,000 cigars. And we released a lot of stuff for line, like the Connecticut line, which is our number one, believe it or not, it's our number one. Uh, the Fancy Delicoso, our number one search, is the top number one. But we got, we then released the Extraviejo. Extraviejo means when it's extra old, and I redo double fermentation. I released the Maduro line, honoring uh, uh, Major League Dominican baseball players. We got El Grande honoring uh, Pedro Martin. Uh, we got the Big Papi honoring David Ortiz. We got the Little Bull honoring Manny Ramirez. We got the Machine honoring Albert Pujol. Albert Pujol. So all those top baseball players, I released the Maduro line honoring them. Then I released the Formula line, which is the Peruvian tobacco. Uh, that I use as a binder with Sumatra Sun Ground from Ecuador. It's, it's spice and pepper in full body. People love it. And I put formula. Why? Even food, even wine. When you meet set up two ingredients, you got a formula. So every blend that you make in the cigar is a formula. It's a combination of different tobacco. And that's why I put that name. That's why I, I decided to put a uh, formula. Then I release the Mafu. Mafu is a funny guy that, that he goes to the factory every day. And he cleans the, the area, the, the galera, uh, the restaurant, and everything. He don't want any money. He just wants four cigars to smoke every day. People say that he's a crazy guy. I said that he's a happy guy. And he don't have nothing to worry about. He don't have any keys. And he just wants smoke. You know, and I said one day I'm going to put mafu. If you put back warm mafu, it's fuma, which means smoke. So everybody <laughs> loves, even that you don't know, that you don't know uh, Spanish or he don't know, he doesn't know English. As long as you see him, you come with the energy or happiness because he, he smile with everybody and everybody loves him. So the party that I did, the 10th anniversary party in Dominican, it was a huge event, and everybody was calling my food like crazy. Because people love it. And I decided to release the cigar, believe it or not. Listen to this, John, and all the other guys. When you blend, you begin blending with a robusto side or a toro side. The mafu I didn't uh, blend that way. I begin with the bigger size, the A by 60. Why? Because if you, the more difficult cigar to blend is the bigger size to get flavor and taste. So I decide to make the bigger stars first. And believe it or not, according to uh, storypre.com, we got 98. And the people love it. I don't believe in rating. I believe in what the feedback of the people. And the people love that cigar. And that was the first time that I began using Pennsylvania tobacco from Lancaster that I don't like in the past. 
that I tried many times to blend with that tobacco when I was general manager in LFD and I couldn't make it. Why? It was too earthy. It dominate too much the blend. But after 20, 19 years, they begin, don't forget that they used to grow boli tobacco that is more for cigarettes. But they grow a lot of wheat, a lot of banana, okay? And, and this is good to give some nutrients to the soil. And they begin a, a few years ago growing broadly from Connecticut. They begin growing in Pennsylvania. And I can tell you right now, one of the best tobacco in the market is Pennsylvania broadly. Believe it or not, it's one of the best. I love it. And that's why I released in the Mafu with that tobacco and people love it. Well, my mouth is watering listening to this uh, list of cigars. The, uh, the formula, great cigar. I always tell Nick, if somebody puts Peruvian tobacco in their cigar, it's on purpose. You know, that, that wasn't a discount tobacco we found laying around, right? Um, the Mafu, great cigar. I love it. You read, you read my message. I <laughs> want to send a different flavor from our portfolio and something unique. And the only uh, blend that we use that tobacco, Peruvian tobacco, is in the formula. And in the Mafu, I use the Pennsylvania. And, I, and people love it. But if you ask me, what is my favorite cigar all time? It's the 35th anniversary. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know why. The 30th anniversary has a camera wrapper. I suppose to only make a thousand boxes of that, but I can't stop because people say, no, you need to keep that cigar on the market. It's a camera wrapper. And that's tobacco that I use <laughs> is from our tobacco field. Piloto Cubano, Corojo 1999. And I love that tobacco. As you know, one of the more expensive tobacco is the Cameroon tobacco. And this experiment we make in Ecuador, because the Cameroon from Africa is a little fragile and it can crack the wrapper very easy. And if you ask most of the cigar manufacturer, they smoke most of them Cameroon cigars. And I know a bunch of them that, that they love that. So Cameroon for me is my favorite rapper. That's why it's my favorite cigar, the Terifi. It's a medium, medium blend, but the complexity and the balance, the transition is just unique. This is a cigar that I need to be alone to enjoy as much as I can, because this is a cigar very unique, which has a different bunch of flavor. So I released that, and I released the second generation. First generation was honoring my grandparents. Second generation was honoring uh, the generation of my dad and my uncles. And I'm coming with the third generation and 10th anniversary, which is my brothers, my family, the 68 members that is in the cigar industry, and is honoring this generation, and I'm gonna release on July. So uh, it's coming soon, and 
is coming a Nicaraguan cigar that, that I make in Nicaragua, 100% Nicaragua. Nick has the opportunity to smoke. Nick, how was the cigar? It was incredible. I can't wait for everyone else to try it. You hear it, heard it here first, folks, on Burnline. The third generation is coming out. Now, since you guys are listening out there on audio only, the final, which uh, Francisco is smoking today, look for the box press with the blue wrapper. And I'm enjoying my favorite cigar, the second generation. I love Ooh, this smoke. Cameron wrapper. Cameron wrapper. Uh, what a versatile cigar. Uh, just wonderful taste, um, complexity, mild enough that I can smoke it before breakfast with my coffee or any time of day. I have a box of these in my humidor now. And uh, Nick, I need to put another box on pre-order because I'm getting low. So I'm really looking forward to that third generation. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the second generation. The second generation is a, is a, is a cigar. It's a Coiba that I smoke in the 90. And it had been tough for me to get the same blend. It was tough for me. I never couldn't find again the same tobacco. But I have in my mind a Conerico, uh, no, a Habano Claro. You know what Claro means, right? Claro is when it's from the bottom, the light wrapper of the, of the Habano. So it remains that, that cohiba that they made with the, with the bottom leaf, which is a, like bottle taste, like the, the flavor that it has and the balance that it has of that cigar is just unique. It's something unbelievable, the taste, the combustion, the transition that that cigar has. It begins with, with, sorry, with a little spicy, a little bit, mouth to medium, and then it begins coming with more flavor. And it reminds me of that cigars that I smoked back in the 90s, you know? And for the third one, you have to be ready <laughs> because, because it's Maduro, it's, it's a Malgami Box 15 cigar Maduro, 15 cigar Maduro San Andre wrapper, 15 cigar Oscuro Cameroon wrapper. And I'm going to talk and educate the people about Maduro and Oscuro. What is the difference? Maduro is when you let mature the leaf in the tobacco field, that the, the leaf become yellow, but in the field. And they used to take the whole plant and stuck into the tobacco bone. Maduro is when you go and go and go long in fermentation, that you get dark color. A small fermentation process and time, the tobacco get darker. That's what Oscuro means, all right? The candela. And the Connecticut wrapper is not dark. Why? Because it doesn't get a lot of fermentation process. And because the candela, you put the fire to keep the green color. It doesn't dry up. It doesn't, uh, the chlorophyll doesn't go out. It keeps the chlorophyll. The Connecticut, when it gets yellow, you send to fermentation and you don't increase the temperature no more than nine. 
While Maduro, you can go over 140 without any problem, degree Fahrenheit. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I'm releasing the third generation in a Malgami box outside, inside African Spanish cedarwood, aged with Macallan 15. I don't gonna say that. That sounds right. amazing. I am looking forward to that. The box when it's go, it's go. And well, well, I'm going to give the opportunity to the top 25 uh, customer. We're going to make a call and they're going to have the opportunity to order first. All right. And I'm going to do that at the end of June, July, first with them. And then after they order, I'm going to put for the rest of our customers. 499 boxes because one box has got to come here. Nick, you got to make this happen for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it probably is going to be more. It's going to be more for you. <laughs> I am one of those guys with a, that. With a, with, a, with a lot of things, the Nicaraguan cigar. Why? Because I want to give a different flavor profile. And, you know, and it's something medium body. Why I decide to make a medium? Because medium, people that smoke mild with a medium is fine. And people that smoke medium to food and food with a medium body, they can smoke. So I just went to the medium. But I'm going to release every year. This year is only, is only going to be 10000 And uh, next year is going to be 15000 uh, I'm releasing another cigar which is going to call La Tabla. Do you know what is Tabla? I don't tell us. Lumber. Lumber. It's a piece of wood, flat. So I'm making a cigar flat, 64 ring gauge, 7 inches, Maduro. But it's flat. In a beautiful box. Beautiful natural box that the people is going to love the, the box too. So I'm coming with that uh, on July. And yes, then it's coming some surprise that I can tell you yet, but there is another product celebrating our 10th anniversary, which is a high-end selection in a gorgeous box that I'm working. But I can give you no more details about that. All right. Well, we are looking forward to that. You know, part of the conversation that I have with Nick is to me the the presentation of the cigar plays an important role in my enjoyment and i really enjoy uh cigars that come in thoughtful packaging and and boxing and and really that's part of the appeal with the second generation the box is so gorgeous so i'm enjoying the cigar with all of my senses you know it's not just the taste it's not just the aroma but I can look at something beautiful at the same time. And I know our listeners, you know, can't see, but the wrapper on the cigar is just beautiful. And I've always enjoyed the color on the uh, Cameroon wrappers. It has like that... Um, that reddish color. Yeah, yeah, that, that reddish uh, color to it. And I love it. Something else that Nick and I really appreciate with 
DBL cigars is this little guy right here. That's a QR code on the wrapper. And, yeah. you know, for, uh, for some of the younger guys like Nick, I'm, I'm not young anymore. I stopped dyeing my hair. I gave up. Um, but we've, we've grown up in a world with technology. And when I have a cigar and I can just point my phone at it, and it tells me about that cigar and the regions and and all of that. It adds to the experience uh, while I'm enjoying the cigar. So well done with the QR code. I love it. I'd like Thank to see you. more of that. Thank you. And let me tell you, John, uh, Nick, uh, my philosophy is give the best. This is a job that has supported my family for three generations. And you need to respect and Say thanks to the people that have support you. The business for me is relationship. You see how I go to our event, I sit down, we talk about tobacco the whole night, what I'm doing cigars, because I love this. I have my family, I have brothers that I can send to the event, but people, love to talk with Francisco because they know that I love this, that this is my life. And when I talk tobacco, I can stop talking because it's, it's something that runs into my blood. So if you're going to do something, you have to do it in the right way. You know, and I learned with, with, with Carlos, do your best every single cigar that you make. And I always like to put the best. The presentation, the high-end rap, where the big guys go and get tobacco, I get the same. I love, I'm not copying nobody. I just want to give my best, you know? And when you give your best, you're going to make a good relationship with your customer. You know, when you are a humble guy, need text me. If I don't respond him today, I'm gonna to respond tomorrow, but he's gonna get a response because that's the way. And I do it directly. I have my assistant and I have other people, but I like to talk directly with the people because it's much better and the people feel more important. So when you see the presentation of the derrame number three, which is making our cigar box factory, and you see our extra viejo boxes. When you see the final boxes, there are beautiful boxes. The Amarelo boxes, which is yellow, I love it. I just want to put the best. When I send some hats or some uh, um, matches, you have seen our matches? I haven't. Nick, you have seen our matches, right? Yeah, we have some in the store right now. Beautiful white box, DBL logo. Really, really nice. Long. Yeah. And, and, and it's a high-end match. If you see our, our, our lighters, triple torch, it's high-end lighters. You have to give the best for the, for the people. And, 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 and I don't do business with that. When they order to me uh, bundles of cigars, I send something. Now I have a high-end knocking. Now I'm coming with a, with a high-end ashtray. And this is for my best customer to send Every time they order, let me send a couple of that. And when you make the people important and you take care of the people, 
the customer take care of you and your family. And that's why I do that. I always send something to the people immediately back. You know, not many companies do that, but I do it. It's no matter how much it costs me, but at the end of the day, it's customer service. Make the customer happy. And that's my philosophy. And that's why Nick and John, I try to do my best with every deters behind the company and the brand. Well, I love it. And I'm thankful for that. I told uh, Nick when we were smoking these earlier, I feel like with DBL cigars, I can taste the passion that went into them. And, you know, I, I appreciate the portfolio because I can smoke a Mafu and a second generation and a formula and they're different, unique, beautiful, and delicious. And, and they're all their own experience. And through all of that, like the care and, and passion for the product comes through while I'm smoking, you know? So I have got uh, a little hobby here of smoking cigars and we turned it into, into a podcast. I guess I've been, uh, I guess I've been smoking cigars maybe 20 years. Um, just long enough that I remember when the chisel came out, um, you had mentioned the double the hair. I remember when that came out, I had just started smoking, you know, just a couple of years and exciting products and thinking about, you know, where the cigar industry has come in the last quarter century or so since I started uh, enjoying cigars. Um, do you mind talking for a little bit about on the business side of cigars? How have things changed? Uh, political pressures, uh, sourcing and supply. We have the whole COVID disruption. So we're blessed to be able to walk into a store and buy a fine product to enjoy. But I know there's a lot of hard work that goes on in the background. Well, in 2016, I was in the, in the RPCPR. We all the pressure, uh, political pressure, uh, the different taxes that every single state has. I I, I got a, a you know I, I I was a little worried about what's going on. Uh, they want to put out uh, all the company that came um, after two thousand seven, FDA issues. You had to take Orbitola. According to the FDA, they was looking for a lot of money, and that was a, a, a that was tough for me. I was very worried, but I told to my family, uh, "Let me tell you something. I don't know other job. I'm gonna die doing what I'm doing, and I know there is other people that smoke cigars." And it's coming up, boom. So I begin uh, uh, focus on, on Europe. And 2018, it was the first uh, inter-tabac trade show in Germany, in Dortmund, Germany, that, that we did. And believe it or not, the, the guy that heard me doing that said to me, uh, Francisco, you, you need to work at least three years in this market and then it's gonna come up. I was very lucky that I got two customers for here, two brokers. 
one in Congo, one in Germany, because the inter tabac is more worldwide than uh, PCA. And, you know, I, I try to look uh, a different uh, market to put my product. So I begin working in Germany and believe it or not, thanks God that, that, that happened. Sometimes something happened for a reason. Now we got Lebanon, Bulgaria, West India, Congo, Nairobi, Kenya, Norway, Germany, is coming Italy, San Martin. So I'm happy, but listen to this. I know there is a lot of things that they try to ban tobacco. Now, right now in New York, they want to ban tobacco and they want to put the tobacco out of the business. But let me tell you, right now it's a cigar boom outside and inside the United States. And Nick can tell you how many backorders companies having right now. They having trouble. Why? As you know, the, the who is the owner of Artavis right now? It's Chinese people. And Scandinavian tobacco, which own General Cigars and Cigar International, Alec Brackley, and more others brand, is the number two biggest one. But let me tell you something. Probably you don't know those people because they are business people. They just put money on the business. And we're losing the parts of seeing people with passion that comes from the countryside and that had support the family since day one just because of the cigar industry. No matter what I have to do, I'm gonna continue making cigars because this is what I love, this is what I learned, and this is what I want to continue doing no matter what, because I have a lot of brothers of the league, and because of thee, my life has been blessed with a lot of things in my life. Since my wife that got a kidney transplant because of cigars, since my daughters, that one is in college and the other is in high school because of these, means a lot to me. So I want to continue doing that. And I know that I have a lot of followers and people that enjoy our products. And I'm very glad and thankful to be in this beautiful, beautiful business. Well said. Thank you so much. We are starting to uh, wrap up on our time here. And Francisco, we are so thankful to have you join us on Burnline Podcast. Real quick before we go, for uh, all of us, uh, what is your favorite way to smoke a cigar? Uh, Nick, why don't you start? I like I like real dim lights. Okay. I like when, like all my senses, I'm able to, to contribute to the experience. I like to sit on my porch at sunrise when it's warm like in early summer but there's a cool breeze and i can hear the nature but i live in a quiet neighborhood there's no traffic I, there's no people and i can focus on the cigar and meditate i think that's my favorite way to smoke 
where I'm, I'm related to you, John. I have a lot of things in common. I love to be alone in my porch. I used to do it with my dad. My dad is in, in, in we got a straw, you know, in a good way now. I used to smoke in the porch with my dad when everything was quiet. Just me, he and me, smoking, talking, relaxing. But I love to meditate. When I'm alone, that I that all my sense are focused into the cigar and the model natural. That's what I love when I can see the stars, when I can see the environment, when I can see the insects making some noises. I love that. I I I love to be in peace. You know, I love to be very quiet. That's why I work every day in the night. If you call me at 10 a.m. in the morning, probably you don't gonna find Francisco. But if you call me at 4 a.m. in the morning, I'm gonna say, hello, John, how are you? How can I help you? Okay, I love to be alone. When I'm blending, I love to be alone when I'm smoking my favorite cigar. I love it. John, thank you so much. If you need anything, you can call me anytime, but I want a favor for you and me. You need to go Dominican with me next year and we're gonna enjoy our country. We're gonna enjoy our tobacco field, our bus factory and our cigar factory. I would love that. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on Burn Line Podcast. For all of you guys out there in the internet world, thank you for joining, and we will see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye.